outdoor dining and professional sports are coming back to the Philadelphia area and a class action lawsuit about the clear cooperation policy from NAR. Tune into Tool Time right now. Tool Time's hot, it's live, we're essential, very exciting. I know we said that last week, so I'm trying to get it all out as much as I can right now. It's like Happy New Year into January. So, a couple big stories. One, for people's personal psychology, right? Outdoor dining, pro sports are coming back to the greater Philadelphia area in the yellow zone. Jess, what do you think? It's about time. I don't know how many people agree with me, but I feel like it's a lot, but it does start to weigh down on your psyche a lot. Like I, I want to have social interaction. I, other than just like my husband and John Michael, <laughs> like, so I'm looking to get out there and ha- go to a restaurant and go out to parks and be with people and sporting events and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's really necessarily necessary for your mental health. And as long as we could do it in a safe way, I don't see any issue with it. I'm just reading through all of these articles on the Inquirer and everything like that. It's like, well, will they go to the yellow phase in a few weeks? It's still a big question mark. And the governor doesn't know, you know, what the yellow phase or the green phase will look like. And it's just so frustrating to, so to have a little bit of hope, that's really helpful. So I, I, yeah, I agree with you that there's, there's still all this uncertainty and there is no question that our city, our region, our metro market, whatever you want to call it, we've been under the strictest orders in the entire country. Maybe New York, maybe New York City, that's about it. And when you look at other states, they had more higher infection rates, more cases, 70% of cases here were in nursing homes. So it's been frustrating on a personal level for a lot of people. And when they open things up, which I, you know, to me, it's kind of ridiculous. You can't go to a place where they can have tables six feet apart outside. And I mean, what's the difference between that and like to go cocktails or takeout food or anything else? I mean, I just, you know, there, there's a point where we've been in this 10 weeks, right? 10 weeks, two and a half months, almost 25% of the year. Where the time and- well, and, and yeah, I mean, th- there's that for sure. I mean, spring is just gone. It's over. It's summertime now. Memorial Day happened. So there is a clamoring for the public yeah. to be able to get their freedom back. And there's a point where, you know, I mean, last week seemed to be the breaking point to me. Um, I mean, the, the, the whole real estate thing, what's going on there, all these bills getting passed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, the, the issue is that you have an assembly that's doing one thing and wants one thing. And then you have a governor that wants another. And a lot of the decisions have been made in secret. And there's not open press at these conferences. So because of all that, I'm clear that this is a good move. Um, it's, I mean, and most of unemployment, 37% of people who, uh, um, who are claiming unemployment right now are in the, in the waitstaff industry, in the restaurant industry. So that's over a third nationally. So this business needs to come back and people are ready to spend money. You start opening that up and unemployment drops and hopefully people want to get back to work. Uh, They weren't making too much money off of unemployment and they're just like, forget it. But seriously, it's time. People want to get, especially like people with kids, like you need to get out. They can't be cooped up in their house anymore. 
Well, what I will tell you, you bring up an interesting point there about unemployment, and that's going to be a big challenge for a lot of these employers. Um, I mean, I, I have a couple of case studies where um, a friend of mine lives out in California. They, they went, were able to go to a restaurant this past weekend. They had 33 employees. Of the 33, only seven of them were willing to come back because they wanted to sit home and collect unemployment and collect money from the CARES Act, which that's a great short-term solution if that's what you really want to do. Um, if I was on running that business, I'd go out and hire somebody else. I mean, that's what I, I mean. I just that, that that's something that wouldn't fly with me. So there's going to be a problem here that comes up with all this federal stimulus money coming up. And if that's what people choose to do, that's fine. As a business owner, you got to make other decisions. You can't re rely on people to decide when they want to come back or sit home and collect checks. And that's going to be a major problem. A hundred percent. We're seeing that like personally on our end right now. And I say the same thing. If you're not, what's your end? Just to give people some, some context. My husband owns a restaurant, so he has to deal with those people who are like, I'm making more money on unemployment and I don't feel safe coming back to your restaurant. If they don't feel safe, that's a whole different story. But if they're just like, I'm making more money on employment, I'm not coming back. I need to hire someone else. I can't, you know, someone who's going to come in and work. I don't have time to waste on you. Well, that, that's the issue. I mean, a lot of business owners are going to be put in a tough spot. So opening these up, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, two things, it's going to buoy People's personal psychology, their mental health, being able to go out and, and see some friends. It's also going to buoy the economy. And I mean, pro sports does the same thing. I mean, people are bored. I mean, you know, it's how many times can you watch like the repeat of the 2018 Super Bowl? How many times can you watch these classic NBA games? I you know, watched zero. <laughs> well, I, I know you watched zero, but that's also a major part of the economy too. I mean, when you look at it, there's all those that money that gets spent there, all the workers at stadiums. Now, a lot of these teams have yeah. still pay people, but you got Aramark who runs a lot of the food down at, uh, in, in Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park, uh, the Wells Fargo Center, Lincoln Financial Field. So, you know, to me, this is, this is a good move. It's something that probably needs to happen for the sake of, of, of everyone here. Yeah. And my hope is that uh, they're going to have some clarity around what can and can't happen. But it's – Things are a lot quieter than they were last week. I mean, it's, there's, been, there's been a major shift, especially after the holiday weekend, which is good. I, I'm clear for the public and, and for all the people out there. Let's go. All right. Real estate story of the week that has, doesn't have to do with Governor Tom Wolf, which is great. Um, yeah. I'm, happy, I'm happy not to be talking about him. <laughs> so there is a class action lawsuit that was filed against the National Association of Realtors. And what's in the class action lawsuit, it's, um, from, it's being uh, filed by Top Agent Network, and they're suing them because of the pocket listing policy has no legal basis, and uh, that, that's basically the suit. And this, this, has been, this was a hot story until everything happened. So um, TAN, it's a, it's a firm that operates in a members-only private group of top producing agents. They filed a federal antitrust suit against NAR over the policy to curtail pocket listings. So what do you think about all this? I see that there are like two, and we talked about this a lot, but there are two polarizing sides to this. It's either you think that the MLS and NAR should be able to do this or you shouldn't be able to do this. But in my opinion, they're trying to control who you're what your client wants. If a client comes to me and is saying, listen, I don't want to put this out on the market. I want you to see if you have a seller, you know, put it out there, but don't list it on the MLS. They should be able to do that. You should be able to have a conversation with your client, letting them know the pros and the cons of that. I mean, ethically, 
every agent should do that. Will they? I can see why there's some gray area there. But I mean, I feel like this trying to take control of what you can and cannot do as a seller is just not right, in my opinion. My, my view of this is that what NAR is trying to do is they're worried about people trying to work with the buyer and the seller and double end the sale. That, that's the whole intention behind this. And it shows how short-sighted they are. Yeah. First off, where the hell were they when we weren't an essential? I mean, we got, we got zero response from NAR. And PAR should be embarrassed how long that went. So let's just kind of get that out there, number one. You know, when we really needed them, I didn't hear from them. Then we get this, and, it, it, you know, this is fine. This came out of this, – this suit got filed a couple weeks ago. So, you know, their, their whole policy here and, and the argument from uh, Top Agent Network, uh, CEO David Faldman said that it harms the real estate industry and it harms you and your sellers. Um, and then he has a couple bullet points. One is that the policy allows NAR to control clients' data. Two, the policy stifles the ability of agents to communicate with their peers and prevents them from getting information to best serve their clients. Three, it carves out office exclusives, which actually encourages the double ending of deals and puts smaller brokerage and their clients at a disadvantage compared to larger ones. And four, it takes away consumer choice and a consumer's right to privacy. The seller wants more privacy and avoid marketing. They should be able to select that. And that's especially important in the, and then they cite COVID-19 and the California Consumer Privacy Act. So the whole point here, I do agree with most of that, that one, there's an effective way to market properties without putting them on the MLS. There's an effective way to do it. And it helps sellers. It helps sellers get a better price. It helps sellers get more for their home. And maybe that's what somebody wants to do. That's not, I mean, that, that, that's not my call. It's all about the consumer. Mm-hmm. That's how we operate. We're a service-based company. That's one of our core values. So that to me is the fundamental problem with this. Then there's this office exclusive thing, which is a silly exemption. It was a lot like the non-common sense stuff that we saw with this real estate policy in Pennsylvania, where they picked the date and you could look at homes if you had noticed your leases up before then, but you couldn't afterwards. You know, the office exclusive, all that does, it, it, I mean, it, it, it promotes, okay, well, I'm going to tell everyone at Remax Mainline, we got a listing, maybe we can sell it there, but there's way more agents that aren't at Remax Mainline. So the, the pol- there, there's some validity to this. You know, my question is, how far is this going to go? And a class action lawsuit is no joke. So I'm glad to see someone fighting against it. And I know other MLSs are limited. Um, Bright allows for a coming soon uh, listing, which is our MLS, but others don't. And you can't even get that pre-marketing going. And then what will happen is, that, and we, we talked about this before when we got on the show, that there's, there's the fast offer and then there's the best offer. Those aren't always the same. There's someone that they see a home get listed on Friday. They run and look at it on Friday, submit an offer and say, hey, we want an answer by nine o'clock tonight. Well, I, w- I would tell my sellers to decline that depending on how many showings are coming up, unless it's like ridiculous. And it's always up to the seller. It's the seller's decision. It's not our home. It's not the MLS's home. It's the seller's home. And that's who they are eliminating from this policy. And then they're promoting people to go like for sale by owner or Rex is like one of these for sale by owner people where they're, they're not on the MLS, they're a brokerage and they can place their listings on Zillow. So it's, they're, they're promoting these other sort of different startups to happen. And much like what happened to Pennsylvania during uh, the, the, when, when we weren't allowed to show properties, that pushed people to go for sale by owner. I had a lot of folks I was in touch with and they said, you know what, I'm just going to do this on my own because you can't show it. And what are they going to do? Take my license away? I don't have one. So 
it, I mean, it, it, I don't think NAR really gets the consequences here, and it hurts its membership and it hurts sellers. So I hope this suit moves forward. I hope I hope it works out. I do. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And I think reading through the article, they touched upon like it's violating fair housing laws and everything like that. But I think there's a think that they're trying to say it's discrimination, but there's a difference between discriminating than just not wanting to have to list your market and expose it to everyone out there and trying to get it done off market. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's, that's an that's a interesting statement, too, like that violates fair housing. I mean, I don't really know what that means unless you're talking about protected classes, which are like race, sex, religion, those sort of things. Uh, I mean, you know, that, that to me doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And when you read through the article, it's, um, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's got some validity to it. And I think the whole point is that um, they're, 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 they're saying it violates the Sherman Antitrust Act and to a certain extent does. But the bottom line is, you don't have to be a member of the MLS, and that's where they get you. I mean, they've, they've got everyone by the you-know-what there, because, you know, if you don't want to be a member of the MLS, that to me is an equal disservice to your clients. So that's much like what we went through here the past nine weeks. You've got to speak up and make your voice heard on this, because yeah. decision makers don't always have the whole story, and that was obviously demonstrated by what happened here in Pennsylvania over the past nine, ten weeks. And we had to make a lot of noise. There was a lot of pressure by the private sector. So. Uh, to me, that, that's the only way to go about this. That's it. Well, I'm glad someone sued him, though. I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm glad it's not me either. I don't want to waste my time with that. So there's a way to play in the rules and adopt and, and, and know where to push the boundaries. And a lot of people don't get that either. They just want to bitch and complain. And they don't think, okay, well, now I got to pivot and adjust, which is we have a strategy that we're using right now to adjust to that um, to help our clients. I mean, we talked about it last week. So if you want to know more about it, you know where to contact us, right? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Motivational quote. So I don't know who said this. I liked it a lot. I've been, I've been really kind of, uh, you know, thinking about things and, 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 and being very introspective in our time alone. So don't limit your challenges. Challenge your limits. What do you think about that, Jess? you don't face challenges, you're never going to grow. Um, it kind of leads me to like, if you don't face losses, like losses are better than winnings, right? Because you grow so much from it. So if you're afraid to confront a challenge and you just want to go a roundabout way or the easy way, you're never going to, you know, achieve much or you're just going to, you know, get it the easy way. And what does that really mean? And how do you grow from that as a person? So that's what I see from that. I mean, you have to work hard to accomplish your goals and be where you want to be in life. You can't just go about and go around the challenges. So I, I, I agree with you. And if you look at a lot of people, I mean, they're, you know, there's people that they want a certain type of life or a certain quality of life or a certain level of success or whatever it is. And this doesn't just happen with like your, your work goals. This is like, if you want to have a really good relationship, you got to, you got to, challenge yourself to, to, to level that up, right? You got to no challenge magic. yourself. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying, you're right. There's no magic bullet. Yeah. And you got to, if you want to, you know, have, be, be more healthy, you got to challenge yourself and then you got to keep pushing. And the, the more you push yourself and get past those limits, that's where you see all the growth. And you look at real estate and this to me is just so applicable because there's people that get into this business and they say, hey, I think it's going to be easy. You guys make all this money and they have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. They don't know what the costs are. They don't know how much work you have to put in just to close one sale. Putting together yeah. deals is tough. Mm -hmm. And 
there's folks that get into this business and they got a paycheck mentality. They think if they show up, they're going to make money and they just take the calls, the phone rings and they go sell a house. And guess what? That is definitely not the case right now. So the people that are challenging their limits, like how far can I go? What are my minimums? Like, what am I going to do today? That's the people that you see the most growth with. And it's, you know, and, and oftentimes when they set a goal, they set this big goal, right? And you have the big goal set and then you get close a couple years and then you just blow by it. And you're like, well, I don't even care about this anymore. I'm on to the next challenge. And that's challenging your limits. That's a great definition of that when you're trying to grow. So if you're trying to lose weight, Speaking of me. <laughs> well, you're trying, let's say you're trying to lose weight, right? You want to hit a certain number. And then by the time you hit it, you're like, screw this. Like, this is old news. I'm looking for something different now because that's, you're pushing your limit. You're raising your standard. And that's what enough people don't do. They think I'm just going to go do my X amount of numbers a day. And that's it. I'm going to go walk for 20 minutes a day and I'm going to be in great shape. Like, and it's just, it, it's not, it, it, you're not challenging your limit there because that's become a behavior. It's not a commitment. And when you commit, you have to kind of continually raise the ceiling and push, push it further. So that's what really I got from the quote here. So very cool. Sounds like we're on the same page. We're on the same page. And you mentioned something about like knowing your numbers. And I think that's applicable to real estate and even like losing weight or anything you do. If you don't know what you have to do, I feel like that's where people really do get lost. So knowing your numbers, who you need to call or how many contacts you need to make or how many appointments you need to go on or how many grams of you know, sugar you can have or can't have or how much protein you can eat or fat. Like if you don't know that stuff, you might not reach. So that's honestly the first step, I think, in achieving anything and getting out of your comfort zone. You have to know how to do it. What, what you track and measure always improves. And if you're not tracking it, you have no idea how to measure it. So that's, you, you can't push your limit if you don't know what the limit is. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, you know, we've seen that with, with so many people that are in and out of the business and, and say, I, you know, I know what to do. I don't need to, I don't need to worry about that stuff without running a business. I mean, that, that's what it is. So if you're not, if you're not tracking, measuring, knowing what your limit is and then trying to get past that. And then, you know, that, that, that's where, that's where all, all the growth happens is outside your comfort zone. So Amen. All right. Dinner outside next week, Jess. Yes. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon. Yeah. Thanks for watching.